Hello, listeners. This is your executive producer, Adele Meisenheimer. I get to host today because I'm interviewing a very special person, the host of our show, Les Carlson. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm so good because, uh, you know, Les, you bring out some great history and stories from our guests on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And today I want to pull out some stories from you. All right. I mean, you have such a rich musical and theatrical history. But before you became famous as mm -hmm. the host of Frontline Records Rewind. Yes. Yeah. And that's really been, well, yeah. that's changed my career. <laughs> I think so. For yeah. the better. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and broadcasters. And yeah. yes. So I wanted to let listeners know about some of the other things that you've done that kind of brought you to this place of mm -hmm. fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those early things is the, the musical or the play Hair. Yeah. Broadway musical, right? You would call it yes, Hair. Yes, the Broadway musical Hair. Yes. The American uh, tribal love rock musical. Oh, yeah. Let's just go to the beginning. I mean, how did you get the role? What was your role? And take us through what Hair was. Because, you know, we have some younger listeners who... Yeah, never heard of not, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're thinking Hairspray. I, right. uh, they may have got that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, it was it was back uh, in early early seventies when I got involved. I was uh, living in Seattle at the time, and I had already been in several rock bands around in the Northwest and that sort of thing. And I heard that this Broadway musical Hair was coming to Seattle, and they were going to open a company there at the Moore Theater in Second Avenue in downtown Seattle. And so I thought, well, okay, that that would be. A great opportunity, you know. To, I've never done any acting before, but I certainly love theater and, and music, and I can sing. So I'm going to go audition. Well, I I went there. I drove down to Seattle and parked my car and went to the place of the auditions. And oh my, there was a <laughs> there was a line out the door and around the block, mm. and of all these hippie looking people, you know, back then <laughs> with the, just their the, the strange look that was so strange then and, and now, these days, the kids want to look that way. And what year was that, Les? Uh, that was uh, 1969, 1970. And you were how old? Oh, 24, maybe. Okay. Or, yeah. Okay. No, 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 I think it was 21. All right. Yeah, I'd have to run a calculator. <laughs> doesn't really matter anymore when yeah. you get my age. But anyway, so I went there and I thought, oh my gosh, there there's... I actually thought, you know, this this is there's just so many people here. I don't know if I <laughs> I don't know if I'd really have a chance, but then I thought, but you know, how are you going to have a chance if you don't try? Yeah. So, I um I had brought my keyboard player with me. Uh the song that I was going to audition with was an original song mm -hmm. um that I've never really recorded actually. Oh. And um Waited in line and waited in line and waited in line and waited in line. Finally, when I got my shot, I came out and uh, um, they asked me a couple questions of why I was there. And I said, because I, I love to perform and I love to sing. And I, I have an original song. And they said, oh, okay. And so I did that. And afterwards, they said, all right, thank you very much. Um, we'll get in touch with you. Well, okay. So I thought, okay, that's who knows. You know, I've never done this before. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I got a call, and, and I was asked to come back for another audition. 
and another audition and and it they just kept kind of going finally um i got i think it got down to about 60 some people they needed 30 people for the cast and we were on the stage at the Moore theater and <clears throat> they lined us all up on the front of the stage and they were out you know the directors are sitting out front with the white lights in our face so you know <laughs> you feel like you're like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're being interrogated. I'm surprised they weren't blowing smoke in our faces, but we're standing up there and we're all, everybody wants in the show, but mm-hmm. we're all nervous, you know. So anyway, they start calling out names. And when we call your name out, you need to go and stand backstage behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody's up there up front and they call my name. So I go and I stand in the back and I'm thinking, and all of us standing in the back are thinking, mm-hmm. didn't make we it. We probably didn't make it. Yeah. So it gets down to the 30 people left on stage, and the director says to the 30 people out front, he says, you know what, thank you so much for your time and your efforts. You're such talented people. You've come a long way. There was over 1,000. We're down to the, you know, you're in the top 60, and we just appreciate. But we'd like to say we'd like you all to leave the stage, and we want to open up the curtain and introduce the Seattle cast of hair. Mm-hmm. And all of us behind the curtain were like, oh my God, we made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I got wow. into the uh, to the show. And uh, actually when I first was cast, I was cast as an understudy for the character of Wolf mm-hmm. and, um, and and just made it in as a, as a tribe's person, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was from that point on that I began to just feel my way around a Broadway musical and how that, what, what that entailed. And, um, and, uh, you know, because I was an understudy, I never really dealt with script and I was doing all the choreography and all this and that. And, uh, this is a very important story that I'm going to tell all of you out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the most incredible things that happened to me in my life. I was an understudy. I was in awe of being in this Broadway musical. I was in rehearsals, very green, really unexperienced and the guy that was playing the part of wolf got sick and all of a sudden they came and said you're the understudy so you have to you you have to come and read the part of uh, wolf in in the run throughs well i i never even had had a chance to even look at it i was just totally <laughs> it was way over my head and so they give me the script and they're kind of trying to coach me and tell me all these things and i'm like totally green and and I get out on the stage, and I go to do my line, and I, I'm horrible, just <laughs> horrible. And this Broadway director is out there, and he goes, and he used some words that I, I can't say mm-hmm. on the radio show. <laughs> right. And he just said, get me a effing actor, <laughs> a real actor. And, I, you know, I can't deal with this whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just stood there like, oh, my gosh. I, I you know. Yeah. And some of the people that were working around came and took me off the stage and said, oh, we're so sorry. He, yeah. he should never have talked to you that way. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I was crushed. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. I am so indebted mm-hmm. to that man mm-hmm. because he made me want to be. Hmm. the greatest actor I could 
I could imagine. Mm. From that day forward, I never stopped working mm. on all my parts, on my, uh, you know, the, the, the depth of character. I listened and learned and watched, and, and I really wanted, I really wanted to overcome that and prove that guy wrong. Mm. And so what was meant for evil yeah. <laughs> turned out to be good. And uh, so that's a lesson for any of you that are in show business or singing or any kind of anything that you do. Sometimes when somebody comes and does something like that to you, you know, just count it uh, actually a blessing, like the, in the book of James. You know, count all things blessings, especially if you know God. Um, it really works out. In this case, I didn't know God, but it turns out that the principles still work mm-hmm. because God is God. And um, and I got into hair. And um, because of that... I began to learn all the parts. I went from Wolf to up to Claude to the to the main guy. Mm-hmm. I learned all the all the uh, singing parts and all the acting parts, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't required of me. But I began to re- know all the parts, so that if the opportunity ever came again, yeah. that I would do it. Mm-hmm. And one night at the Moore Theater, the two main Claudes, the Claude and the Claude understudy, couldn't make it, and they said, "Who's going to be able to do Claude?" And I said, "Well." You could give me a shot. Mm. Well, it just so happened that that night I got it. They gave me a couple days notice, Mm. I guess, and I went on and did it. And it was amazing. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, whoa. (laughs) So when we moved Seattle to Miami, um, I went there as a Claude understudy and actually Mm. did get the part. Mm Of Claude, and and I, I got some tremendous reviews mm-hmm. from the newspapers back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. people read the read the newspapers. Yeah, and uh, and out of after the Miami show, then we moved to the National Touring Company, mm-hmm. and it was the first national touring company out of New York, mm-hmm. and I was cast as the lead, wow. Claude, mm-hmm. and uh, I began that performance, and it was like night after night after night, I got incredible reviews for the part of Claude mm. and they kept me there for the next two years mm-hmm. of my time and, and it was just a great experience and wow. anyway there's yeah. a song from Hair yeah. that I did I want to hear it okay I did it in, in, in the early early 70s when I got out of Hair mm-hmm. in a group called Joshua mm-hmm. and Joshua was actually uh, Michael Butler who owned Hair mm. He owned a record company, and he wanted to manage me. Mm. Uh, so he put me in this band, Joshua, and and uh, and uh, anyway, we did this album, mm-hmm. and I decided to cover one of the songs from Hair. But this was like Joshua, one of the first hard rock, heavy metal bands. This is back before heavy metal, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, so we did our own version of Flesh Failures, and let the sunshine in. So it's our own version. Here it is.
FrontlineRecords.us, we have Critics' Corner, where people can write in about their favorite artists, interviews on Frontline Rewind, and their favorite music. Check it out. That was great. So that was Let the Sunshine In off an album by the artist that you were in called Joshua. Yeah. About 1971? Yeah. uh, Yeah. 71, 72. Mm -hmm. I don't remember because I I altered my mind a lot back in those days. (laughs) No. Yeah, I did. Well, it's legal now. (laughs) Some of it. uh, Yeah, some of it's legal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Not not everything. But anyway, forgive me, Lord, and he has, and I'm I'm good. I'm clear now. (laughs) Yeah. So Now, there were some amazing songs in hair that... Our listeners would recognize because they were covered by other bands. Would you okay, help let me us give out you with a, some others? Yeah, yeah, because basically a lot of people just, when they hear hair, they don't really understand. Yeah. There were many, many songs from that play that they would probably recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was, of course, Hair. Mm-hmm. Give me a head with hair. Long, beautiful <laughs> hair. That was a, a cover song by the Cow Sills, but it was from the Broadway musical Hair. And feel free to sing any uh, 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 little, uh, l- you know, yeah, clips. Yeah, give me a head with hair. Long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flaxen, waxing. Give me down to there, hair, shoulder length and longer. Here, baby's hair, mama, everywhere, daddy, daddy, hair. Hair, hair, hair. All right, that's enough. Love it, yes. Uh, there was a group called Three Dog Night, mm-hmm. and they did that song, How... Can people be so heartless? Song called "Easy to Be Hard" mm-hmm. that Sheila sang in the in the show mm-hmm. was by Three Dog Night. There was another song called "Good Morning Starshine" by an artist called Oliver. Good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. Anyway, that one mm-hmm. was uh, from Hair. Yep, recognize uh, it. Another yeah. one was, of course, uh, Aquarius. Mm-hmm. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. That one? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. Yep. That was by the fifth dimension. And they began, the, the, the hit they had was Aquarius that went into Let the Sunshine In. Mm, okay. Let the sun shine, let the sun shine in, the sun shine in. Mm-hmm. So that was another one. What else? Well, I think there were even more, but there were yeah. several, several hits that were in top 40, top 10 music mm-hmm. back in the day. And that's why uh, that that play was so popular. The music was ama- amazing. Yeah. And it was about 
about hippies that lived in New York, and they were basically protesting the war in Vietnam. And as we know, we probably never should have been in that war. So I guess the teens at that time kind of had it right. Yeah. America kind of had it right. But we are blessed by the people that served there and mm-hmm. and uh, the soldiers that, that fought and died and were injured there. And we were blessed by them. And, yeah. and uh, as a nation, we are uh, totally grateful. Mm-hmm. But it was a time of protest and divide because mm-hmm. uh, uh, we just didn't want to be in Vietnam. And that's, Hare came out of that. Okay. And the, yeah. the main character in the play, Hare, was, the, was one of the kids that felt like, no, I, I have to go because I've, mm. they've drafted me and I have to go. And, mm. and they, everybody wanted him, no, burn your draft card and don't go. And, mm. and he said, no, I'm an American and I have to go. Mm. And he went uh-huh. and he died. Mm. Wow. And... Uh, mm. <laughs> So every night, <laughs> sorry. So every night I died. Oh, no. But at the end of that, that's when the kids sang "Let the Sunshine In," mm. and the audience was in tears, yeah. and it was an amazing performance. And there's still productions that you can see today. I don't know that it will ever capture the essence of what it was because we really lived the part at the time. Mm-hmm. It was quite an experience. I had a lot of experience. There was I met you know. The, the Jim Morrison from The Doors and mm-hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and all mm-hmm. those guys. And yeah. there was just many, many f- famous people that would come and see hair. I, I met yeah. Mick Jagger at, at a house I was staying at in Hollywood, at mm-hmm. Michael Butler's house. Mm-hmm. And he was amazed to, to meet somebody in hair. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me, Mick Jagger? <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, yeah, so it was quite an experience. <laughs> and uh, it was actually foundational for... Uh, for the theatrical approach that Bloodgood took, where so God yeah. took everything that I learned back yeah. in those days, and 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 uh, I took those talents and brought them into the the Christian music realm, and and uh, yeah, you know, hence Bloodgood was known as one of the most theatrical rock bands. Yeah, yeah. and I think it was obviously because of that background. So absolutely, yeah. Now on that album Joshua, where we yeah. played "Let the Sunshine," you wrote an original song that has a Christian message that ended up on Blood Good, a Blood Good album, right? Changing Me, is that? Yeah, there was a couple of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was Changing Me, mm-hmm. what was, that was on the uh, Joshua album, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, an, you know, I wasn't a believer at that time, but mm. it was funny how um, uh, God already had his hand on me, because yeah. it turns out that a lot of things that Joshua did were Christian-based, you mm. know, uh, and then... Uh, Changing Me evolved into Changing Me from Out of the Darkness. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and nope. then I wrote some some other lyrics in addition to it. But mm-hmm. if you played the two side by side, you would see similarities. I'd kind of like to hear the Joshua version. Just okay. Because... You know, and then and then perhaps we might even hear the blood good version, you know, right. version how that ended up. So All right, uh, so yeah, here's let's... here's changing me the Joshua version.
can only hope to see what is changing me. Being here like I am. The world is spinning faster, heading for disaster. He's changing me, yeah, changing me.
So people who are blood good fans but didn't know that whole history of how you got there, I, I really wanted to for them to learn that today. But how was your transition from sex, drugs, and hair to heavy metal? Uh, yeah, to heavy metal. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I yeah. Well, that Joshua, Joshua album was the closest thing to to hard rock, heavy metal. I was always a Beatle fan, and I liked mm-hmm. pop music. And um, uh, so when I got out of hair, uh, I began to work in rock bands in Seattle mm-hmm. and uh, doing a lot of original material. And and then Joyce and I also uh, got into a band, and we worked nightclubs up there in that area. Mm-hmm. And we. Um, hired a keyboard player because the one that we had moved out or whatever mm-hmm. and we hired this keyboard player and he also played guitar he looked great uh, he came and auditioned for our band because he he uh, you know he wanted to make a living playing and we were one of the best paid groups up in the northwest mm-hmm. and we hired this guy and he was just such a talented guy and he was um, he looked great his gear was great he played keyboards and guitar and he sang and when he got in the band, he was so prepared. He knew all the music. He learned it. He was on time. He was very polite. He was very thoughtful. Um, I'd never met anybody like him before. Mm. And I thought to myself, what, what is with this guy? You know, I, I really, I don't know. But there, there's something different about him that I, I just don't know what it is. And uh, so I came to him one day. I said, dude, what, what is it with you? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what is it with you? So Don looks at me, he goes, I don't know. He says, I, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, I like, stopped. I went, <laughs> oh, it, it was like, it took all the air out of my, out of my body. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, oh, okay, well, all right. Well, I know now. And I just walked away. And that explains why I wasn't partying with you, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, um, why did I react that way? Mm. See, I, I went through this whole thing. This guy, I, I want to I be like this guy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when he told me he was, had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I just, I felt like I wanted to back up 10 feet and run away. Mm. And I thought about that. I thought, why did that happen? I, and I just, the observation just hit me like, you know, like a ton of bricks. And I thought to myself, well, maybe there is something to Jesus. Maybe Maybe Jesus is real. I don't know. I mean, mm. why would I react so negatively? Mm. In other words, God set me up on that one. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, you know, a couple weeks went by, and I, I remember we were. Um, I just thought, wow, I just I, I can't. I I I don't want to. I mean, Christian being a Christian, that'd be stupid. I'm a rock and roller, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, you know, I do whatever I want. I, <laughs> we, you know, just this. It's crazy, but I do whatever I want. I say whatever I want. I mm-hmm. make great money. I'm talented. I don't need anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, we're we're down there. Um, yeah, because I used to ask Don. I'd say, Don, you you want to go out and smoke some weed, or mm-hmm. you want to do some cocaine, or you know? And he'd yeah. go, Oh no, no. <laughs> he'd just say, No, no, thanks. No, mm-hmm. you guys go ahead. Don't. And he never said, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. He right. never said that. Yeah. But I remember we were at this club in, in Portland, and the bartender came. Or somebody bought us a round of drinks. And uh, so Joyce came and took the orders. Well, the guys, well, they're giving us free drinks. Well, she bypassed Don Garberg. Mm. And he came up to her and said, didn't, didn't we get a round of drinks? And 
She said, yeah, but I figured you wouldn't want it. He goes, no, I, I'd, like a, I'd like an Irish cream. Mm. She said, you would? Mm. He says, yeah, I, I can. So she got him one. Mm. And she observed him, and we observed him. He's, he's <laughs> drinking booze, and he's a Christian. And, and he just kind of sipped it and enjoyed it, and, you know, and that was it. And I thought, I asked him, I said, well, what's with that? He says, oh, I, he said, you know, I have the freedom. I, I, I'm not bound by rules and regular. I mean, I have the freedom to have a drink. I mean, I, I don't get drunk, and I don't do those things, but I, and I thought, Okay, well, what else? What, what is it like mm-hmm. to follow Jesus? And he gave me a book, More Than a Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And so I took the book, and I'm hiding it <laughs> from Joyce. Because, you know, I don't want her to see that I'm being drawn to, mm-hmm. to, this, to Christ. Yeah. Well, she also apparently had gone to Don and asked the question. <laughs> and she had a book, too, called More Than a Carpenter, that she was hiding from me. Because it was ridiculous. We were not, I mean, I wasn't going to tell her I was a Christian. And I'll tell you, I was honestly, the only way I can explain it to anybody was the very, remember the first time you ever fell in love when you realized, oh my God, you know, I, I think I fell in love with a girl named Denise in junior <laughs> high or something. I was like, I mean, I couldn't even eat or sleep or, you know, I couldn't think of anything else. And, but that, that that's what happened to me with Jesus as I was reading this more than a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And in that, the guy said, basically, he says, you know, we believe in George Washington. We don't have photos. We don't have recordings. But mm-hmm. we have recorded history that we accept. And if we accept any history at all, at all, mm-hmm. you have to accept the fact that Christ was here because mm-hmm. he was recorded history. Mm-hmm. So if you believe in George Washington, you got to believe in Christ. Well, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And and then who is Christ? And And the book said that basically... Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Well, man, I thought, what? Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh? Mm. Well, I was always told he was the son of God and, you know, and I thought he was a good man and all that. But to be claiming God in the flesh, Mm. and that's why they killed him. And then all of a sudden, I I was just being drawn to it, drawn to it, drawn to the Lord. One day... (laughs) I said to Joy, I said, it was probably about two in the afternoon because we didn't get up till then. <laughs> I s- came to the kitchen and I said to her, I said, you know, Joyce, Jesus was God. Mm. And she said, I know. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess Don said we had to ask him into our heart. Mm. So <laughs> Joyce and I went to our bedroom that afternoon, mm-hmm. got down on our knees and we asked Jesus into our heart, mm. and both of us were weeping mm. like babies, mm. uh, because our relationship was very worldly. Mm. We were both very, very famous local rockers, and we were doing whatever we wanted. There was no holds barred. We just had all the fruit, and uh, we started praying that that we could leave the nightclubs because we got convicted. We were up there doing Billy Idol and all the the stuff, mm. and and you know our eyes were open to what what it was really like. Mm. People were coming there; it was like a meat market. You know, mm-hmm. you all know it out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just didn't want to be a part of it. We weren't condemning of it though, mm-hmm. because somehow God had gotten a hold of us in the right way, and even the way that we were saved out of a bar, mm. um, we realized that we weren't going to make. 
uh, you know, a proclamation to our band who are unsaved, other guys, and, and say, well, you know, we're out of here now because we're Christians. Mm. So we were following the example of Don, who yeah. had led us to the Lord through just being like Christ-like. Mm-hmm. So we started praying that God would just deliver us from the nightclub so that we wouldn't have to break the band up because we were their source of income. Mm-hmm. And But we, we just wanted to get out. Well, we started praying, and pretty soon, one by one, everybody in the band came and said, you know, I got a great gig in L.A., studio musician. I'm going to have to be leaving the band. So the mm. band kind of dissolved, mm. and Joyce and I were free, mm. and we were out. And we were making great money, but when the band stopped, we had nothing, mm-hmm. and I had no other skills, really. Um, so at the church that I had gone to, I began to roof houses, Hmm. And uh, that's what I did. Hmm. I was getting up six in the morning with my little lunch pail, <laughs> and uh, I was roofing houses. Hmm. And I was the happiest guy in the world. Jesus was number one in my life, and hmm. I didn't really care. As a matter of fact, the videos, we did a lot of videos and a lot of recording. Uh, when I looked at those things after I'd gotten saved, I, I actually said, Lord, I'm sorry. I was just kind of embarrassing, wasn't I? Hmm. And, I, you know, Christ was so... Uh, there's no condemnation in Jesus. So he never made me feel guilty or condemned. Mm-hmm. It just came from me realizing, oh, this is, this is who you love. Mm-hmm. You love me. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So the transformation there was, was incredible. I remember my pastor came to me and said, after I was roofing houses, he said, you know, I just want to tell you, Les, you know, you and Joyce have incredible voices, and I believe God would want to use you. Because I, I said, Lord, I don't, I don't care to sing again. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It, I don't, I don't need to. Yeah. But my pastor came and said, you, you know, He could use you as a singer. And I thought, really? <laughs> he says, Yes, that's what God does. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Well, you know, I, I would rather sing than roof houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's hard getting the tar off you every yeah. day. But, um, and that's when I started thinking about, well, you know, maybe I could do something that was theatrical. Maybe I could get into some original band. And, and then I saw this ad in a newspaper that said, a white metal singer well-rooted in the word. Mm-hmm. And it was a rock magazine, you know, that was up there, local rock magazine up in mm-hmm. Seattle. And I called the number and it was Michael Bloodgood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, speaking of Bloodgood albums, and there's been some great ones on Frontline Records, then Bloodgood, has it been three years now that Dangerously Close was independently released yes. by the band? Yes, three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we got amazing reviews. We mm-hmm. hadn't released anything for, what was it, 25 years or some 20 years or something? Mm-hmm. Again, at my age, it, you know. <laughs> That's a number. A year this way or that doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. It's a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been about three years yeah. since that was released, and you know it. It's really one of my favorite records. Mm-hmm. Now people can really dig into Dangerously Close and anything that the band's been doing recently on your website. Yeah. Which uh, is which is bloodgoodband dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go there and. Uh, you will see uh, all of our bios, and that, that mm-hmm. that's all the, the guys around the Dangerously Close album. And uh, music that's available 
through through our website at bloodgoodband.com. And then recently, I mean, it's it's great that you keep moving forward and and doing more and new music, but your good friend Don Cromwell, mm-hmm. and you can tell us the history on that, but you've got, uh, you wrote songs together, came out with an album called Carlson Cromwell. Why not Cromwell Carlson? How did it end up? Uh, because... Uh, Alphabetically, okay. it's Carlson Cromwell. Okay, just checking. Just, it's, it's better than Cromwell Carlson. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. Carlson Cromwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I am, the lead, I am the lead singer. Yes, yes. But okay. Don Cromwell is uh, is an amazing, amazing talent mm-hmm. and a dear friend. Mm-hmm. And Don and I had met just after Hair uh, when I was up in Seattle. And we mm-hmm. I formed a band called Fred Schwartz Band. <laughs> And we opened for Y&T yesterday and today, and we opened for um, Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. and we opened for um, got T-Rex, mm-hmm. and you know, and we were we were a, an original band up in Seattle, and this is pre-Christian days, mm-hmm. and uh, several several years later, I, I um, hooked up with Don again, and we uh, he has a radio show called uh, Don Cromwell Live, mm-hmm. and um, I was a guest and. We started jamming some of the old Fred Schwartz song and songs, and it sounded so good that we decided, wow, let's get together and start writing. So we ended up doing a Carlson Cromwell album called Lucky Side, mm-hmm. and it's got some really catchy pop rock songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very, very, very proud of the album. Uh, but it's definitely not your Les Carlson from Bloodgood voice. It is a more popish voice, but it's still got that rasp, you know. You yeah. can't get rid of that. No. You can't can't etch that out. <laughs> you can't EQ that garble out, you know. Well, I want people to hear the vocals uh and that uh on Carlson Cromwell. What song do you want listeners to hear and get a taste for your vocals in that? All right. Well, uh, this is a song that we wrote. Don and I wrote this song about uh living in Seattle. Um and it's it's called Fired Up Tonight. <laughs> so here one. it is. Fired Up Tonight. Just another blues day I was walking down First Street Through a driving rain Brace against the wind Jacket over my head Water in my shoes Feet as cold as dead The needle in the sky Is still standing by All the rockers Feeling low and high Taking me back to where my dreams began And the world was mine I'm fired up tonight I rise to the left The sound is to my right Another misty day Another stormy night is a stone and the queen she still reigns coffee shops everywhere the west cut cobain the needle in the sky is still standing by all the rockers feeling low and high the clubs are jamming and the bass keeps slamming i'm fired 
Carlson Cromwell off Lucky Side. Yeah. And you can find that album, I believe, anywhere, iTunes, Amazon, and right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and we have a website, carlsoncromwell.com. Okay. And you can order direct. Uh, you also can order through the Bloodgood website under Solo Projects. Um, so we, we could ship them out to you directly. Good. Um, yeah, and it's really a fun album. Yeah, and you and Don have been able to play live in the L.A. area. I've been able to, up in Seattle. to catch that. Yes, and you've got some notable musicians who join you from time to time. Yeah, when we played up in Seattle the last time, wow. We had David Safiro on guitar, Paul Jackson on guitar, and we had Don Cromwell on keyboards, the guy that led me to the Lord, Joyce and I to the Lord. Don. I'm, I'm sorry, Don Garber. Mm-hmm. And Don Cromwell, thanks, Adele. Mm-hmm. Don Cromwell is the bass player, but we had Don Garberg, the one, the guy who led us to the Lord, mm. plays phenomenal keys, mm-hmm. and he was also in the in the band up there. Mm. So yeah, it yeah. was an amazing time. I'm, I, you you make most of the gigs. That one was a little far. Out yeah, of the I didn't quite make it up there. And then Don also was bass player for Eddie Money. I want to say Eddie Money mm-hmm. and Air Supply. Yeah. So Don Cromwell, yeah, he's he's been on some platinum albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a super talented guy, and plus Don, uh, he he uh, produced the album, he he mixed the album, he got all the sounds, and Don actually plays all the instruments on the Carlson Cromwell album. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow, he programmed all the drum sounds and, mm-hmm. and drums, but wow. he plays the bass and the guitars and the keys and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's a great show. So if uh, anybody, now we have another show, March second. Oh, wonderful! Two thousand seventeen. Okay. At Bogies, in uh, it's in Westlake Village. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Yeah, want you to come out. You came out to the Mint and saw us. Yes, and another time at the Big Oak Tree. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Wow, yep. that was yeah. just the acoustic version. Mm-hmm. And Joyce is there also singing Joyce background. Joyce also sings background and, with yep, me. And some percussion, so great Yeah, so show. I'm looking forward to the Carlson Cromwell thing. Yeah. Also, uh, John, uh, which we'll talk about. 
next because uh, again it just leads to less how this rich history of music continues and i i admire it so much and this latest challenge i would say <laughs> uh which you've mastered and uh, i got to again see you perform this so tell us about saint john saint john in exile it was um uh, it was uh written by a, a man named don berrigan and he, um, uh, the main actor in the play was uh, Dean Jones. Dean Jones uh, performed this, I believe it was in the 80s. Um, he toured the show. It's a one-man show. It's a monologue of 90 minutes, a first act and a second act. The character is John as he is exiled on the island of Patmos. And he interacts with the audience and tells stories of his time with Jesus and things that he experienced firsthand and also how he was led out under the cliffs uh, and and was um, inspired by the Lord himself to write the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. So um, the play is is uh, entertaining. It's, it's, uh, there's laughs. Uh, you, you can laugh. You, you can cry. Um, I, I enjoyed it so much. And um, basically what happened is my pastor, uh, Danny Carroll, came to me and said, Les, you could do this. And I thought, wow, I could, but who wants to? It's going to take a long time, you know, to to memorize all of it. And mm-hmm. and as it turns out, it, it I took probably a year and a half. Now, I mean, I wasn't studying every day, but it was something that I began to kind of work at. And I, I, I learned it a little at a time. But the interesting thing is, is that as I was getting into the script, and I'd be here alone in the house during the day, and 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 just learning the the parts, and you know, learning my my di- or monologue, I'd get caught up in it, and then I would just stop, and I would fall on my face and mm. praise God, and mm-hmm. and and ask Him to bless it, and ask Him to give me the right character and the insight. And and the 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 tempo and the feel and how should I deliver certain things and you know how to work the audience and how to draw them into to these this wonderful writing that that was there that was given to me to perform and so it was amazing how I got to praise God as I was learning and memorizing and then I was just really I had my doubts you know. I was thinking, Lord, how how am I actually going to memorize? I mean, you know, I, I'm not old, but sometimes, you know, I I, I, I will put like you know <laughs> a bag of vegetables in, in, in instead of putting it in the fridge. I might put it in the you know the, <laughs> the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> no, I put it in in, in, in the uh, you know the spice rack or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how'd that get there? I don't know. Uh, you know, I got a great memory, but it's short. Mm-hmm. No, but it, I, I was just amazed at how God just really has given me a real sharpness mm. in being able to memorize and to portray this this part. So, in short, I mean, this relationship that we talk about having with Jesus, it's for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not just going to church. It's like it's like He's really there with us. Mm-hmm. And doing John was so evident to me, one-on-one with him, nobody else, and this script, how he was so so there with me and is with me during the performances. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
you know, that, that's, uh, that's the whole point of, of having a relation, re- relationship with Jesus is it's personal. It's a personal relationship. He is absolutely, totally in love with me as he is in love with you if you love him. And uh, so sometimes when I'm, when I'm learning, you know, the, the part and imagining myself as the character of John and what it must have been like um, to live in that cave and, and be inside that, that cave that was probably a little musty and damp and mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, I sometimes imagine that I'm actually in the cave and then I think, wow, it would be so awesome if I could actually ask John himself to describe to me what it was like and tell me the story of him actually receiving the revelation. The commander, not long ago, began to allow me a walk each day out there on those sea cliffs. And it was there on the Lord's day that I came into the Spirit. I heard a voice behind me. It was like like a trumpet in the sunny air. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. God gave Jesus a revelation and the Lord sent his angel to John. the dead, the ruler of the kings of all the earth, the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins, his blood has washed us clean and now he's coming, so shall it be. saw seven golden candlestands, and walking among them was one like the Son of Man, his hair glistening snow, his eyes fire, his face the sun in all its power, and he spoke again, this time like mighty falling waters, write this revelation in a book and send it to the churches. It seemed the heavens had opened. I flew above a sea of crystal, to the rainbow throne of God. A book, the prophecy of the Lamb's ultimate triumph, sealed with seven seals. The Lamb of God breaks the seals and tribulation dawns. War and pestilence, famine and death ride across the earth. The powerful and the rich, the weak and the poor, the famous and the obscure, all hide themselves in mountains and caves. God's wrath has come. Who can stand? And then... From out of the sky, there, there came a, a, a fiery, a fiery star. It, it falls into the sea, and there's a, a mountain of fire. The cities of the nations are burned to dust in an hour. They, 
all perish. Millions, millions die. The rest pray to die, but death eludes them till its own good time. And now, no lamplight shines, no working men, no careful wives, no children play. The voice of the bride and bridegroom heard no more. And then, when I thought it had ended, from heaven comes a, a, a golden city from all of time, from all the world. The raptured faithful gather at the gates and they open. Angels, heavenly hosts, and Jesus. He said, Come in. Come in. This is the place I've prepared for you. The Father awaits us.
Thank you, Les. This was an amazing show. I got to see you perform St. John, mm. and people need to see this. And thankfully, you're going to make it available to churches uh, across the country. How can people find out when it might be in their area? Well, Adele, we are just presently beginning the process. This this show actually will be the first uh, promotional thing mm. that we do. Yeah. Um, but we're putting together a little press kit to send out to the churches. We have the endorsement of, of Pastor Danny Carroll, mm-hmm. and he he knows a lot of pastors throughout mm-hmm. the, the uh, United States and whatnot. But we're also going to, to try and just book some shows in uh, throughout the year of 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we do have a show uh, January 15th in Corona. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me, I don't know the, the name of the church, um, but... Uh, we we should have that information up on Facebook, and then of course, since we are doing, uh, we will be doing some sort of a website that that is more less Carlson and John and mm-hmm. things I'm doing that we would have uh, an itinerary there. Um, but if you go to a church and you are wanting to to actually bring this show of John to your church, go ahead and, and get in touch with me through my Facebook, Les Carlson on Facebook, mm-hmm. and message me and uh, give me your phone number and we'll, I'll get in contact you with, my, with you myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, Excellent. do that. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our host. We're getting close to three years that you really? <laughs> offered to host this show. And listeners may not understand this, but when we interview artists, Les makes them so comfortable. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it takes me sometimes a year to convince an artist to come on the show. They're a little apprehensive, but once they're there with Les, it's it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And we have formed some wonderful bonds yeah, with those artists. God, yes, yeah. it's been quite a delight, I think, for both of us. So thank you, Les. Thank you, Adele. Thank you, listeners. Now you got to hear a bit more about Les and how our famous host of Frontline Records, Rewind. God bless. God bless.